Hey everyone, we're back this week. I'm Hafida Costa. I'm the Marketing and Graphics Specialist at the Gina H. Woman Center. And I am Holly Ramella. I am the Care Coordinator at the JNWC. And welcome to this week's Care Talk. So, what has your week been like? Oh, we haven't done this for like a month, so like, has anything special happened since, <laughs> what was it, February 5th? February 5th was when we recorded? Was when like, yeah, we posted the last one. My month has been interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, it's only like March 4th, so. It's a fit. So, in like a month, you got into a relationship. I, I did. I I mean, I guess I started the relationship like, I mean, technically, according to social media. It started February 5th. Oh, so you're like, we're not single anymore on Facebook. Yeah. You know, like I had to tell the world. Yeah. And that's how you told the world? I just wanted to let them all down, you know, and be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Sorry, off the market. market. I know you all were really excited. um, And I'm really. No longer excited. Like, I want to provide the space for you to heal and to um, talk it through. um, Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of move on. So use the comment section below. <laughs> to um to heal and to process, you know. Um, got it. Yeah. Because I, because I, if I got into a relationship, I don't want to put it on social Facebook. media. Well, well, maybe, maybe Instagram, but on Facebook because I don't really use it. So I was curious as like why you put on Facebook. We all know you don't use Facebook, um, based on <laughs> the fact that you never RSVP to events. I never do. I <laughs> just show up. Um, and I'm angry too because how dare you not invite me and then I'm like no girl like you were invited yeah well yeah. I, whatever it was it's not a deal I mean I feel like um, like if you asked me uh, two months ago I would have been like <laughs> I'm not gonna change my relationship status on Facebook, on Facebook. And that is childish um, but then like I got really excited about it and I was like yeah yeah I'm in a relationship now you know you're in that like you're smitten and it is yeah it's a special kind of thing yeah you know you just want to like share that with the world that's true especially during february yeah you're in your feelings you're like everyone's like love is in the air yeah um yeah i know valentine's day is just capitalistic but it makes you feel a type of way sometimes some people not everybody yeah not everybody (laughs) you know i get it yeah i mean that's it's well yeah, so my... <laughs> How has your month been? <laughs> um, it was good. So what, since like uh, February 5th to now? You know, things are, was it like mid-semester? I feel like I haven't been keeping up with like my, syllab- my syllabi, but I have. I just haven't had a midterm. But I think they're coming up mm-hmm. before like some break, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. What I happens. dropped out. <laughs> We'll see what happens. So far, so good. Everything is nice. Um, there has been a pickup on the dating, but like my therapist said, just like, chill out. Don't expect it. Mm-hmm. Just let it like find you. Yeah, for And I'm sure. like, that's what I've been doing, but I'm not being found. <laughs> so I'll just keep doing me then. Yeah. I'll just continue. I mean, I think you have so many things going for you that, you know, it's like, it's just not the time. It's not the time. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, what are we going to talk about today? 
Um, I think we're going to talk about toxic work environments. Yes. And, and like, navigate. yeah, and I know last last month we talked about trauma informed supervision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're going to talk about toxic work environments and specifically how to be a feminist at work. Um, and I think it's a really interesting conversation. I don't know how to be a feminist at work. I just like am mm. at work, and I just like expect certain things or ask of things mm-hmm. but I think for sure when you go out into like the corporate world or somewhere that isn't uh, like it's not their policies to be an intersectional feminist work environment it's different because you have to find a way to make things nice for yourself and not hate living in that mm-hmm. space like yeah. which is hard yeah it's really hard sure. um, especially when you spend like 8 hours a day there that's like mm. a full-time job. I don't know. But am I ready to get a real job? I am. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I, Not like this isn't a real job. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah, it is. But like going into corporate, whatever, that's it sounds, maybe. It sounds a little ugly. Maybe a lot ugly. Yeah. Um, but I believe that if anybody can do it, it's for sure you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think right. being a feminine, well, I think a lot of people like implement feminist theory into their work because like that's their life and like that's their identity and so the way that they show up is automatically right like going against norms and they like have to demand certain things just to exist Mm -hmm. um and so i think like for other folks who have like a lot of privilege to like decide whether or not they're going to show up in a space and make it feminist or be feminist um it's like different conversations but um i think that we, I mean, I've been really lucky to work in, like, since I, for the past, like, four years, I've been able to work in spaces that were or claimed to be feminist. And so um, I think it was, like, just kind of obvious and second nature. But I think, and we can talk about this in a little bit, like, those spaces also claim to mm-hmm. be something that they're not always meeting the requirements of or the standards of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think can also be super toxic. Yeah. So, so I think we're, we're going to talk about uh, bringing your first full self into work mm-hmm. and being intersect, intersect, intersectional feminist and so practicing that, practicing that at work. So we understand this at boundaries and engage within our friendships, but how do we take those ideals where... It doesn't exist. For example, a corporate environment mm. or an office environment that claims to be feminist but isn't practicing things. Um, so how are we going to navigate those sp- spaces with our identities without uh, being the person who educates everyone mm. and then also holding people accountable and then not causing more hurt or more harm while you're trying to like shift the space? Mm-hmm. And then also well, not being a feminist school goal. I don't know who said that term and Ashley mentioned it to me about it. A feminist Google? Yeah. I'm not gonna be the feminist Google. Um I feel like But she borrowed it from someone else. Like she yeah. it, obviously. I definitely think it was I'm not sure. I'm not sure who she borrowed it from, but it was definitely like a activist of color. I'm um, positive yeah. it was. Um so we're gonna talk about accountability of other staff and yourself and also a holistic approach to interacting with others. So one of the articles that I looked at was being a feminist at work. And what does it mean to be a feminist at work? Um, it was from Feminism in the Workplace by The Muse. There was a lot in the article that I thought 
felt like they could have dived more into it or further elaborated it, elaborated it, but it obviously was centering women. And from what I read, it was kind of like centering more like white women, although it had good things to say. There was one link in the article that took you to like, you can do all these feminist practices at work. And one of them was, um, was it you? One of them was celebrate fatherhood. So work-life balance, flexible work schedules, and gender. Maybe I understand what that means, but it felt like a weird, like, left to, like, how I would approach intersectional feminism at work. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm going to talk about what I got from the article. Okay. So um, one of the things that came up with this article was that being a feminist is necessary and it's important, as we know. Um but sometimes the way that offices can treat this can be dismissive. Mm-hmm. So, like, you show up to a work environment and you say, oh, hey, my name is Holly, or my name is Sufid. Um, I'm a feminist. And people are like, oh, that's cute. Um, my name is Bob, and <laughs> I like Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> you know? Yes. And people are like, oh, cool. Holly's feminism is her, like, thing. That's, yeah. like, her, like, thing. Hobby. Just, like... Bobby's thing is like he always orders Philly cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. That's like his thing. He has a Philly cheesesteak magnet, you know? Yes. Um, and so it kind of trivializes feminism and makes it look like it's something that isn't as serious or mm-hmm. it's um, because I think, fem- well, I know that feminism is a lifestyle and something that people commit themselves to. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that, it's not one of like the five fun facts about me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But yeah. people treat that, treat it like that at work sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that, they dismiss it and then they don't pay attention to it anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because you're like a feminist. Um, also, what it brought up to me was this idea that people wear uh, feminism as like a cloak or, you know, uh, performance like activism, stuff like that. Like it's that I'm presenting an image and that that's the only thing that I am, right? And so people wear like the feminism as like a, a cover up. But when things come up, for example, in the work environment where true, like, not true feminism, but where informed feminist practices need to take place, they don't do those mm-hmm, things. And they just mm-hmm. go back to being, like, capitalistic and they hurt people, mm-hmm. and then they just, like, cause a mess, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the article mentions one thing that I thought was effective, and I think can be something that can handle toxic work environments, is sticking to, like, the policies. Mm-hmm. So, if you have policies at, at your job where it's uh, against the policy to like discriminate with someone based on gender, which I think like every workplace does. And Bob Douchebag or whatever is, you know, clearly being like harassing women or harassing others based on their gender. Um, instead of, you know, approaching Bob and saying like, hey, Bob, you're clearly being sexist. You're being a cis shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. You can say like, hey, Bob, I'm concerned for your behavior in the office or your behavior concerns me because we have a policy that that clearly states you cannot discriminate or treat others differently based on their gender, mm-hmm. and you're doing that to me. So I'm going to go to, like, the supervisor or something and, like, base it off of this policy and not, like, the feminist issue of, like, cis privilege or sexism, you know, mm-hmm. by, like, a man. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting because I've done that before and, like, other places where I review the policy and I'm like, something isn't happening and maybe people aren't doing the specific thing and it's causing harm to people of color. And I can see that, but I'm not going to go up to them and say, you are causing pe- 
people of color harmed because you're not doing this, this, and this. I'll say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do based on our policies, mm-hmm. so we're not meeting the mission. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was interesting, and that was a way to negate that toxic work environment. And you can show up practicing your feminism, but you're kind of like using the tools that you have. So it's almost like a liberal feminist approach, mm-hmm. but it works, and I've seen it work in other office environments mm-hmm. as well. And then also, uh, there was this idea of being authentic at work, and we want to talk about that, uh, but the article mentioned that, uh, I guess there's like a trade-off. So do you want to be 100% authentic, or do you want to be effective? So no one in the workplace is 100% authentic anyway. Our authentic selves mostly don't even want to go to work in the first place. Mm. So besides the Women's Center, where I think people can show up and be authentic and be like, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm sick. I'm going through something, whatever, but I'm here. So besides excluding the Women's Center, do you think you can show up in, in an authentic way in like other areas? Or how much authenticity do you think you can show Mm. Or would you, or do you think it'd just be easier to like show up and like not be authentic? I mean, I think it's hard because, like, right under capitalism, it's like you can't be authentic showing up to work. I feel like fully, um, and so I think even if you're like, yes, I love what I do, I love the impact that it has, I feel good, I feel like we're we're moving in the right direction. It's still like I still have to do it. You know what I mean? Like a half of bills to pay. Yeah. Um, but I think I think also um, showing out completely authentic also means it's kind of like you um, want to have something private for yourself or like the way that you navigate work is a way to survive and like also protect yourself, right? So like there are certain layers that you're not necessarily going to show. But for some folks, I think being authentic is just like a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And so like they show up in spaces the same way all the time. And so I think it de- I don't know, I think it depends. Yeah. Um, well I just feel like from where we are, like by working in this place mm-hmm. and then also being at a university setting it's a lot easier for me to like show up mm-hmm. in another office and like fully be authentic. Yes. Because I think I'm very um, empowered with like the resources that are here. Mm-hmm. With, like my previous ex- experience with UNLV, I know how things work. So I'm going to show up and be angry mm-hmm. if I need to be angry. I'll show up and be sad if I need to be sad because I know how to navigate that space. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like different when you go like to for a new job, right? There's a whole new office, or you move to like a new city. Like how authentic can you be mm. you know and I feel like like um I don't really think you can mm-hmm. until you like find safety again yeah right? because you need safety to be authentic yeah. and I think it kind of goes back to I mean if you're already in the work environment and your goal I guess is to like maintain in that work environment then yeah you have to navigate in a way of like I have to understand policies and procedures so I know it can protect me um, and until you get to that point and until you can really identify like, oh, I can trust that person or that person is um, somebody who is going to support me, then it it really isn't safe to show up authentically. But you're right. Like we can go into other offices and I can be like, um, fuck rape culture. Right. Yeah. Um, something like that. And so I think. I mean, I would probably say that regardless mm-hmm. of where I was 
because of the identities that I hold. But I think it's it's difficult when you're not sure, like, oh, if I say that, am I going to be retaliated against, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think um, we are very lucky to be able to show up authentically. And um, I think for a lot of folks, it's not safe to show up authentically. Yeah. Um, And I think especially if, especially if they one been told their whole lives that they can't. Right. Mm -hmm. And then two, if their like work environment already kind of, um, if everybody, if nobody else is showing up authentically. Right. And it's really easy to see that. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I, I can talk about this issue of feminism at work, showing up as as your full self at work authentically. But I think it's very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when instances instances have come up where um, things are being handled in an intersectional feminist way or trauma informed, and I can't be authentic, I kind of like feel like I'm at like a loss, mm-hmm. right? Because I expect this other person to be receptive, or I expect this other person to understand, mm-hmm. so we can work things together. Mm-hmm. So something that this like article linked to was like some tools that you can use to negate like a toxic work environment. And I feel like a, a lot of it is obviously working with your policies and seeing what's going on. But I think a lot of it is also like protecting yourself and like conserving your energies mm. because it doesn't do good to like go to a workplace and then give all this energy, not only just in the job that you're supposed to be performing, but also in like fixing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So one of them was um, resist the temptation to internalize work too much, mm. which I think is something that I do. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people do mm-hmm. is you internalize um, something that went wrong in your job, you know, and it's like it's easy to say don't internalize that, don't do that, but it's like really hard when you're like in it because you're like I, I put my hands on this, I did this, so it's like a mess, so that's my mess. Mm-hmm. But I think it's this weird culture of like all or nothing kind of thing, and so when you mess up and you internalize it, it's like there should have been people to help you. There's an office or there's like a corporation. Um, sure, there might be some fault, but there were other people who were looking at this too. Mm-hmm. You know, there were other hands on this. So don't internalize that too much. Unless you're like the one person. You're like a one person business. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you do luck. this up. You know? <laughs> like, but, yeah. but yeah, but I, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then another one was not to overgive. Which I think was, um, I think, important. Because especially when you like your job or you like like what you're doing, you, like, give so much of yourself mm-hmm. to it. And then what happens when you give too much and then you don't get what you, like, expect or you don't get what you, yeah, well, you don't get what you expected back. You're like, why did I give so much? And I, like, cried and I, like, mm-hmm. sweated for this. And now it's like, oh, all I get is a thanks. Yeah. You know, so not giving too much and again like conserving your energy and not giving it all to this like toxic work environment Mm -hmm. and then you just start to resent it right yeah you start to resent it so now you're like battling this like toxic work environment and then your job you don't really like it anymore and then everything you do you're like resentful yeah for sure you know yeah that makes a lot of sense yes um Oh, this one was good, too. So don't make it about you versus someone else slash blank. Make it about us versus bad behaviors that don't help. Which, like, for me, came back to the use us instead of you, like, language. 
which is like if I have a problem with something and I've had problems mm-hmm. before with like others that like in a classroom setting whatever it is and I never approach it with like you like first like the project right you're like you fucked up like you didn't do this and you make sure this didn't happen mm-hmm. I'm always like we should have made sure that you had finished this or we should have made sure that we were on track mm-hmm. and then like doesn't remove but it makes it easier to like navigate that toxic uh environment of like us like blaming each other the whole time Mm -hmm. you know so so instead of being like well this happened to like something happened to me um and so it's me versus this bad behavior at work Mm -hmm. it's not me versus this person even though it might just be one person who's being racist sexist or something yeah you can still make it like this behavior like isn't accepted for us in the work environment Mm -hmm. But do you feel like that just, like, I feel like that just kind of lets people off the hook, right? And so I think think it's hard because I think on the one hand, if you're trying to navigate it politically, then for sure. Like, that's the way to do it is, like, okay, we're going to all say we need to do better. This is how we do better. Uh Like, um, we need to look at the policies and procedures. But then also, like, when people are being harmful, I think it – and obviously we talk about this a lot, but it's also valid to be like, you're being fucking racist. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's actually not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and to call people out, I think is fine. Right. Oh yeah. But, but I, I also see what you're saying of like, if you're trying to like work on creating a space that isn't toxic and you don't necessarily feel comfortable or safe because it's your identity that's yes. being impacted. Right. If it's not your identity, then actually you do need to yeah. step up. Mm-hmm. But if it's like your identity and you're like, I don't want to lose my job. I want, I want the problem to be fixed and I just want, um, to feel like safer in this space. Um, then I think, yeah, doing it, doing it in a way of like, okay, I'm noticing that our office is experiencing this, right? Instead yeah. of being like, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I get that, um, if that's how you're trying to navigate yeah. it. You know? And, I, and it, I feel like I'm at a point in, again, because this is like, I'm approaching this as me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm at a point where like, I will do this in an, on a work environment instead of like, pulling this person's hand and be like, mm-hmm. like, what is that? Like, you do you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I think I'm really tired of like, calling people out and then Mm -hmm. I've done it before but I just don't I don't find it too helpful for myself because it takes a lot of energy and then the response is always like what do you want me to do Mm -hmm. so I'm just like creating more work for myself for sure you know so I'm like I think calling out is something that happens sometimes and something that is necessary at other points Mm -hmm. but I think when it comes again like specifically to like one person like you said in the work environment especially when it relates to you like you call someone out, they're going to make you, like, the expert on, like, black people, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, the expert on whatever the identity is that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Like, so what do you want us to do? And now you're going to have to be there and, like, become HR or something, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. when you, when all you wanted was to get an email. Yeah. And not be excluded or something. For sure. Right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, so, and I think, right, it, however somebody wants to approach like the harm that's being caused, mm-hmm. especially towards themselves, mm-hmm. then like that's valid 100%. And so I think, I think that a lot of marginalized folks have not been equipped with like the information and the skills to navigate yeah. policy and procedure, mm-hmm. right? Because we've like yeah. kept that. And so I think, um, a lot of folks don't know, like I've, I sure as, I sure as hell didn't, right? Yeah. And so like learning how to, 
use policy and procedure to your benefit, I think can be really helpful um, in a lot of circumstances, mm-hmm. especially if you're like, my job is on the line. I actually need to keep my job, but I yeah. also want this to stop or I at least want some accountability to happen. Um, but that's why I also think, but that kind of, what I have to say kind of goes into my piece so mm-hmm. I can, uh, I'm going to hold off on You that. have one more and I thought this one was good as well. So consider, consider whether it's necessary to apologize for your behavior in work situations. Some of us tend to over-apologize for no reason. Mm. Which is personally something I don't do. Like, I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still waiting on the <laughs> If I, for, for example, someone gives me a graphic request for mine, mm-hmm. or someone expects me to market something, and, like, something flips, um, I always approach it as, like, a... And the environment that I'm in isn't really toxic, so I think it's easier for me to approach it and, like, oh, okay, I'll fix that, or... Oh, I'll make a note of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really like, sorry. Like, oh my oh, sh- God. Oh my I'm God, so like, sorry. Damn. There's $100. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I'm not going to do it perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm still learning. But I think I've, I have seen this specifically more from like women or like friend folk where they like apologize a lot for something that literally everyone else does too. Mm-hmm. So you forgot to send the email and you're like, I'm, you're like walking in the door apologizing. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, half of us forgot to send the email too. You know, mm-hmm. so I thought that was important to highlight um, to to think about whether it's even necessary for you to apologize or for you to just like move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've noticed that a lot. Like anybody who is an assist man, mm-hmm. I've noticed like is constantly apologizing for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like basically for their existence. Yeah, sorry, I'm taking up too much space. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry about it. I'm sorry, I'm existing. Yeah, and this space, and which is like, <laughs> which is wild, right? Um, and I just think, yeah. So I think it's something that like people have to like you have to deconstruct it, mm-hmm. but then also you like your work environment has to support you in that. Like, hey, you actually don't have to apologize for existing, or yeah. like apologize for making mistakes that everybody else is making. Like, mm-hmm. just say, oh. Thank you for catching that, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think I've seen a lot of memes and things on social media that are like, instead of apologizing or saying I'm sorry, like just thanking people, like thank you for catching that. Yes. Thank you for right. giving me that the time to get make it in on time. Yeah, at this time or whatever, you know. Uh huh. I do that a lot with like my friends, for example, busy day work. I'm like, thank you so much for listening, mm-hmm. or thank you for giving me the space to say this. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I won't. I'll just like that. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks for your patience. Like, thank you for that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you do need to apologize, obviously, oh. like, that's different. But yeah. when it's like, I, I di- what I did didn't actually harm anybody, mm-hmm. um, and it was not a big deal, then, yeah, like, we don't have to constantly apologize for, like, living, yeah. you, know, you know? And I think these are, like, good tips, but obviously it's the, the person you're going to, like, put these, like, tactics like implement these tactics for like they might still react in that racist or whatever way or like i don't care yeah 100 percent. okay the policy says says that but so and so the hr isn't gonna do anything because i'm their boss you know like i'm their friend yeah so when it comes to that i think it's like much more complex and then like probably some legal stuff needs to happen you know but i think these tips are like good like basis to see how you're going to navigate that toxic work environment because I feel like you need to do it little by little because if you do it too you do everything too soon like it might just go like flat right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I thought those things were helpful yeah definitely 
I mean, I think, um, I think they all can be helpful and I think it just depends like where you're at. But yeah, that, I mean, that article is very specifically for like cis white women. (laughs) Um, and, um, so like, but I think, I think it is helpful to still know that knowledge. Yeah. Oh, these are some ways that like I could navigate these spaces um if i needed to or like i had the ability to but it also depends on like what kind of toxic work environment you're in like Mm -hmm. are you in one that tries to pretend that they're progressive so if you do um use policy and procedure they'll actually respond to it because they don't want to look bad Mm -hmm. or are you in a place that's like there is no policy like i am the policy i am (laughs) i am hr (laughs) i am hr (laughs) I am oh. Title Nine. I am OCR. Like uh-huh. I'm all of it. Yeah. So good luck. Um, so I think it it it, it just depends. Like what depends. So, right. And I think with anything, with any kind of strategic planning, like you have to identify the problem first. Mm-hmm. Like identify the problem, and then also right identify what the space is, and then identify who you need to access to fix the problem. Right? Is it? Can you do it on your own? Is there somebody else? Like what? Mm-hmm. What tools and skills do you already have, and then what do you need to obtain? Yes, and then a plan of action. Yeah, well, I mean that's like building power. Do yeah, you know what I mean so yeah. that's like a that's like another. But I, I, yeah, you're right. I think it's really complicated, and mm-hmm. it's obviously to each person's situation. But and I think this is also like from our perspective as not supervisors. Yeah. And so, um, although like in in some ways I am a supervisor of like volunteers, but like thinking about our last conversation, right? Because toxic environments are actually the responsibility of those okay, in charge and exactly. in, in leadership. Mm-hmm. So that conversation needs to be had first. Like they, yes. they act, there's no excuse and like there's no reason why you're creating toxic environments. Yeah. But we, that's kind of what we talked about the first episode. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode is like, okay, you're in a toxic work environment. What are some things you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so some, for some people there is nothing, right? Yeah. Because like they're at an intersection of things that, or an intersection of identities that don't really allow them access to any kind of support or like mm-hmm. navigation. But I think having some of these skills or like knowing and understanding these yeah. things can, can be helpful for some folks. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like safety planning with clients. Like it's not going to prevent it. And it's actually shouldn't be your responsibility yeah, to do this work, exactly. but we're in this situation, so how do we how do we navigate it the best we can mm-hmm. f- to do harm reduction? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what is it that you like came up with? All kinds of things. Um, oh my god! Okay, it's very exciting. All right, let's see what you got. No, um, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to um, follow some of the things that you talked about. So I also okay. looked at the article a bit, um, and I think so. When I was trying to think of like what like toxic work environments and how to navigate them, I started to think about the fact that there are different types. Yes. And there's probably like an endless list. Um, but for me, I kind of I kind of broke it down into four, okay. which is like not all inclusive. This is from my perspective. Well, yeah. I think the life that I've lived. It's how we're approaching. It's like how would have theater Holly navigate this, right? Yes. Yeah. We don't know shit. You know what I mean? I mean, I know yeah. me. So. I don't, you know? <laughs> um, okay, so like one of um, – because – what I did, I, I broke them down into four, but I wanted to, like, acknowledge that all of them perpetuate white supremacy and patriarchy, and that, that's at the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which includes all forms of oppression. So um, the first one is um, toxic work environments that are, like, blatantly violent. Yeah. Where, like, sexual harassment, racism, transphobia, et cetera, are rampant. 
Um, and these spaces, like this can show up in a lot of different spaces, but like at the extremes, like we're talking about sweat shops, right? Migrant Mm -hmm. workers, um, like environments like that where, um, there are no policies and procedures that nobody's really looking at those spaces. People don't even know these people work there. Exactly. Except for activists in that community. Um, but it's, it's the people who we don't talk about when we talk about like, um, feminism, right? Right. The, when, when white people talk about feminism, mm-hmm. right? The people that we exclude. Um, and so that's like, that's like a lot of different layers of oppression and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, they, those folks probably also don't have access to this podcast, right? No. Um, or to a lot of the tools that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, talking about like what that looks like and doing community activism around that is also important. Mm-hmm. Then you have the quote-unquote I put like the boys club Mm -hmm. where anything can slide as long as you know the boss and so I think a lot of like corporate uh places um like a lot of places just in general but specifically like corporate high-end wall street kind of places Mm -hmm. um and then that are also kind of blatant but like when you're in it not as much it's very like subtle Mm -hmm. like did you see that episode of um Issa Rae. Oh. I'm not forgetting her name. Yes. Yeah. Insecure? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there was an episode where her best friend was trying to get a promotion. Molly, right? Yeah, she mm-hmm. was trying to get a promotion. And then mm-hmm. that white guy was getting paid much more than she was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are we going to talk about someone that like the golf thing next mm-hmm. week? She's like, what golf thing? So like, it says, yes. I mean, obviously that's a very like obvious like example. Right? They go golf. For sure. You know, but... That happens. I like the, when they go to the bar, you know, or like when they like text. They like text. Mm-hmm. They have a good chat. Yeah, you know? and she's not a part of it. She's not a yeah, part yeah. of it. Those one-on-one meetings, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think white supremacy and capitalism can the same tools that like the one-on-one meetings that you and I can use to like deconstruct things and mm-hmm. make a better work environment. They can use to make it better for themselves. So yeah, make it work for that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's the second one. I think it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but also a lot of those spaces are like, um, like the people who work there are accessing higher incomes too. Oh, yeah. So it looks a lot different, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, they're experiencing all these things, but they're also making more money. And so they might have more access to things, right? Mm-hmm. But they're also having less conversations about it. So it's like an interesting space. And then I think the third one that I could think of was, um, the ones that there's just like no structure at all. Um, so like the leadership is just burnt out. Mm-hmm. They don't have policies and procedures. What they're doing isn't intentional, but we know, right? Intent versus impact. So yeah, they're not intentionally creating harm, mm-hmm. but it's happening and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like this lack of accountability and it just like leads to a cycle trauma. So you have a lot of turnover, you have a lot of folks leaving, but like nobody's really saying anything. Um, the person in charge is not um, fully there and is causing harm, but people still support them because they're like, oh, they're going through a lot. But it's like, it's just like a complete lack of structure. Mm -hmm. And so people aren't being supported. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one I think is the ones that claim to be uh, progressive or safe or feminist um, and then use that to gaslight you. That is wild. Right? I feel like that is such a, 
I get the third one, right? Where like mm-hmm. people are burnt out and they're like, they don't want to do this, but it's being caught because we live in that. Mm-hmm. In that. Yeah. What? Ca- right? It's just like a capitalistic cycle of trauma, exactly. right? But that fourth one, we're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to say, please, please, please come here. Yeah. And then sexual assault happens. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh wow. Right? It, yeah. it seems really wild to me. And I think that that one is a lot like that's where a lot of tokenism happens mm-hmm. and um i think a lot of um microaggressions mm-hmm. and um just like a lot of crossing of boundaries and a lot of harm that people that they claim not to do right and yeah. so i think there's a lot of spaces that will claim to be i mean and i think so i'm i'm thinking of like one that's common and I think BuzzFeed is one of these places. I feel um, like it is. Because all the people who are, like, rushing out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and a lot of folks have said, like, you know, BuzzFeed acts like they're this super inclusive, yeah. like, super, you know, they have mm-hmm. their own queer videos and they talk about race. But, like, first of all, I mean, their articles are really basic. Yeah. And they don't really get down to the yeah. like, thing of it. And they also, like, play devil's advocates. It's that cute little thing. Yeah, it's like cute, yeah, it's like wearing a sh- t-shirt that says, like, stay woke. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, like, are you? Mm-hmm. And also, why are you specifically using that? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, I think, so, yeah. So I think BuzzFeed is one of those examples because they have, they profit off of folks who think that they are a safe and inclusive space or mm-hmm. not not even a safe space but like an inclusive progressive space that talks about that like holds themselves accountable for racism and oppression and like supports marginalized folks but in reality they're not paying their staff well mm-hmm. they're not treating them well they're not actually giving them like autonomy and power and setting them up um in a way that for success, right? They're yeah. just It's just capitalism. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the spaces. And obviously I've never worked for BuzzFeed and I probably after this will never. <laughs> um, and I don't want to. So don't even try. But I think um, they, they've talked about this. Like the people who have left yeah. have been like, well, I made, literally, I made this like whole thing and yeah. this whole channel and this whole brand. Mm-hmm. And then they never let me into the meetings. So yes. they talked about what they were going to do with this thing that I made and I put my face on. Yeah, and so they just, like, drain folks of their mm-hmm. creativity, right? Their creative knowledge. And that's so disgusting. I feel like professors do that all the time, too. Is so, it, like, <laughs> drains students of their creativity, their, um, their like, knowledge, and they'll have them do all of this work, and then their names get to be on the, you know, final cut. And maybe the student's name is, like, somewhere on the paper. And that's just, like, a thing that happens, right? Like, oh, it's just, like, well, you're a student, so, you know, that's what has to happen. And I'm like, absolutely Hello. not. If I did the work, then my name is actually going to be on it. What What actually did you do? Because you edited it, then you can be put as an editor. You put some commas. Like, okay, commaed by <laughs> Professor <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know? And so I think, but I think that, oh, it's really gross. But I think that happens a lot. And I think for me, so for me personally, I've worked, I've really only, really only worked in the... Kind of, kind of actually the last three. So all, all three, but not all four. Um, I think I've worked in spaces that were like super, super patriarchal. Mm-hmm. Um, where like the entire place was, um, all of the employees were cis men, except for um, the receptionists. Mm. And so we were all like young yeah. cis women. And um, 
it was and you were a receptionist. Yeah. Um, and so there was like a lot of um a lot of sexism, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I think um but it was like, oh, it's not that big of a deal because it's not super blatant, right? Yeah. But it's like and it's little things here and there, so you start to like question it. Um Like like do you think you're going like crazy or something? Yeah, kind of or like you're being over dramatic, right? And you're like, oh, oh so they're like, they're like gaslighting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I feel like gaslighting probably happens in all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I've seen I've seen it in there. Um, but for me, the last one is probably the most frustrating because what happens is you go into that space, they disarm you, right, with false impressions of feminism or equity, and then they slowly start to demonstrate toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. And so at first, it's a subtle joke that you're like, oh, that didn't feel good, right? I don't know why, but that didn't, that didn't really sit with me well. Yeah. And then it's an increase in workload, but decrease in flexibility. And then it's also crossing a boundaries. Yeah. So at first, it's like, yes, we're super inclusive. Like, um, you're, you come first, work comes second, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, like, slowly things start to happen and you're like, ooh, that doesn't look right or that doesn't seem right. But because you've already been disarmed and you've already kind of bought into it, it's like, oh, shoot, like, is is this really happening? Um, and then also they use, I think that they use, like, the work that you're doing to, to keep you in it because it's mm. like, oh, but I'm doing good work and so I have to sacrifice myself. Yeah. Right? So it's like that place, like, consuming you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, yeah, and I think that's really hard because I think – Especially in, like, jobs that are social justice oriented, a lot of the folks that they get, right, they're just, they're co-opting the work of marginalized folks, right? And they're they're using them up until they have no more energy. They're burning them out and giving them nothing, right? Um, and so it's just, it's so, it's just, it's so toxic. But I feel like folks in those spaces can't even talk about it because yeah. it's like, if you talk about it, then that that space, first of all, everybody in the community is like, what? No, that place is the best. They do blah, blah, blah for blah, 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 right? And so, like, how dare how dare you turn around and talk badly about them? Like, we need them. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's, like, that. And there's also, like, well, um, you know, I'm doing such good work, so I should just not say anything. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I think... All of them are really ugly, right? Obviously. I think, and I think sometimes they can happen at the same yes. time. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be in a place that claims to be safe and feminist, but really isn't, and they're mm-hmm. gaslighting you, while at the same time that so there's, like, a version of a boys club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. like, I, I think it's, yeah. And I think it's frustrating for the employees because then you're you're in this space of, like, you're constantly in a toxic environment, but you don't know what to do. Um, but then it also sucks because it's also impacting the people that they're serving, right? And yeah. then it's like we often don't – and I think we've talked about this before, maybe not in these podcasts, but, like, this idea that we we as in, like, um, I guess, like, activists in general or, like, communities that do activism or folks who do social justice work, like – Often I have seen that folks will dismiss people's harmful behavior because of the quote-unquote good that they do, right? Mm -hmm. Like the good that somebody does actually never outweighs the harm that they're causing other people. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care if you literally, I don't know, cured 
cancer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if you're causing harm to people, like you need to stop. You need yeah. to be stopped, right? And so I think, but I think oftentimes we get so scared. We're like, well, if we take that away, who will do that work? And like all the people that are working for them now actually mm-hmm. are actually the ones doing the work. So like we're okay. Um, but I think that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's room for accountability. There's room for mistakes, right? Like yeah. we've all been conditioned to perpetuate these things. And so I think, yes, um, like people make mistakes, but one, you don't get to decide if your mistake was something that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, like you actually, you can't just be like, oh, sh- like I did that. I'm really sorry. Like, no, no you actually it. have to do work to show that you've grown from that, right? And that you've dedicated the time and the space mm-hmm. um, to making sure that that doesn't actually happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot, there's a lot of people in these spaces who continue to, who know what they're doing, right? Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I think people know. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how much, like, uh, introspective, is that the word, like, introspective work? Or, like, how mm-hmm. much you need to know yourself to, like, know that you're doing these things. Mm-hmm. But I think for sure people are, like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Especially, like, if I went into a work environment, like, with all the knowledge of interpersonal violence that I have, like, I would know exactly if I'm causing, like, I would know if I'm causing harm. Yeah, you, you know? sure but, would. Yeah. 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 And so then, then that excuse of like, oh, I didn't know I'm burnt out. And like, for sure, doesn't make it okay. It doesn't right? make it right. So, yeah. So I think, I think uh, that's like one of the most frustrating yeah. things for me because it's what I've been saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, or like what, what I've kind of, um, like the barriers that I've seen. But um, I think when it comes to navigating these spaces, I think two things. And we kind of talked about this already, but like knowing your rights. And so... Um, I want to have the disclaimer that not everyone has legal protections yeah, and not everyone can access it the same way. Um, so if you do have access and you um, do have legal protections, like knowing those and knowing how to utilize them can be really helpful mm-hmm. um, because knowing like, okay, I want to hold this person accountable. How can I do it in a way that I can't be retaliated against? Um, which I think is easier to navigate on a university because we oh, have yeah. very specific policies yeah. and procedures. Yeah, but then in other other spaces, not so much. And so I think um, if you have the ability to, to be able to look at your policies and procedures and really understand them, um, but, like, who has time for that? Yeah. I do not know. Like, you'd have to, like, the lawyers write these policies. Yeah, right? exactly. So, like, you'd have to go and... That's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And it's it's not fair, right? Um and so it's like we really set people up for failure. But I think I think the other thing that is important is using your power. And so this is not when you're directly being impacted by things, right? Because that's actually not your responsibility. But I have been I have been in positions where things were happening around me and they may have impacted me also, right? Um, but they were also impacting like the office as a whole. And I would get really frustrated and be like, this is a toxic space. And I would know what the toxic space was. I would know what the problem was. But I 
would be like, well, I'm not in a position to change it. And while that might have been true, like I wasn't in leadership, so I couldn't make policy changes necessarily, or I couldn't um, fire somebody, or I couldn't do X, Y, and Z, I did have the power to bring it to somebody who could. Now, that's not always the case, but oftentimes I think what I have seen happen is people get really frustrated and be like, oh, this place is really toxic. This keeps on happening. I don't know why. Um... I'm really frustrated with it. and But then they're like, but there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And for sure, sometimes there isn't. But oftentimes, there are things that we can do, right? We can identify. It's just like activism, right? Like identifying what the problem is, identifying who I need to access in order for change to happen. So yeah, am I a legislator? No, but I can write to them, right? Um, And not to say that like those things necessarily work, Um, but like as an example of what that process looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I think being like, okay, well, I can't do anything, but I know I do have somebody who is in a leadership role who maybe doesn't directly supervise me, but has some power that I could go to present my case, explain what's going on, and hold them accountable to do that work. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and Ashley talks about this a lot, this idea of positional power. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, in my position, I may only have so much power, but I am aligned with somebody who does have power. And so accessing them and, and creating a plan with them and holding them accountable to do the work is actually kind of my responsibility if I'm noticing these things mm-hmm. coming up, right? Especially if it's impacting the people that I'm also supervising or I'm working with. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And what, what I was going to like ask for the closing of the podcast was like, what is one thing that you do to make that you personally would do to make a toxic environment less toxic? Mm. And mine was like one of those. Mm-hmm. Was that one? So like if I have a, if I'm aligned with someone who can do something, I will go to that person. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, I think that's one of like the few things that you can do. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I think also being really mindful about how you show up. And so Mm -hmm. if you're also supervising or like in a leadership role, even if it's like a smaller leadership role, right? I think being really aware of how you're showing up and not replicating that same behavior just because that's what you're experiencing. Right. And I think like that happens in families too, when Mm -hmm. like your parents may have done something to you or, or gotten angry with you. So then you take it out on your sibling. Right. And so I think, being the place where it stops is helpful but we also know how trauma impacts people so it's difficult i think it's just it's always it's a lot of work yeah but when you're navigating toxic environments and then they don't just exist exist at work they exist in families too Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. friendships like everything so i i think it is a difficult process but besides um so i'll tell you like the two things that i do one of them is Obviously, like, uh, if I'm aligned with someone who's empowered, go to them and say if they can help me. Most of the time, they always can. But I think it also has to do with how receptive that person is, of course, and how willing they are to, like, help you. Because they might say no. And so the other thing that I do is, like, maybe I can't go to, like, my supervisor or someone who, like, supervises that person or is next to that person kind of thing. So I'll just bring in more people like me. Or, like, mm-hmm. I'll make that space more not necessarily like me, but like I'll bring more people in who are like me. Mm-hmm. So one of the, and the article did like mention one of those things. It's like, um, advocate for hiring more people who have their same values, mm-hmm. right? Or like who have your same, and like not saying like feminism is like, uh, 
like like a thing that you can just wear, but it is like the lifestyle. So just like advocating for hiring more people who have the same like view on life. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they have to be like hardcore intersectional feminists, you know, but they have like a respect for people, right? That's just like one thing, you know, that you can do. So those are the two things that I do is like align with people who have power and then also bring in people who look like me or who like have the same perspectives that I do. That way it's not just me who's like doing it all by myself, but there's like more people and hopefully something will change. Right? 100%. And I think asking questions, right? So, like, when you do see things, like, hey, I noticed that, like, our entire staff is white. And I was just, like, wondering why that is, um, right? And, like, making them explain themselves mm-hmm. um, and saying, okay, well, um, interesting. Um, like, wow. interesting answer. But um, so I was thinking maybe we could do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think asking those questions is also a way to hold people accountable, Um because it makes right, it makes them explain themselves, yeah. and then you can also figure out like, okay, so this is really why they're not doing this, and so like, how are we gonna fix that? Yeah, right. But that's like such a. I feel like for sure, if you want to do that, go ahead. I'm down to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I think when you ask that question and the answer is like, well, I hired Andrew because he, it's I knew him. <laughs> oh. Well. Besides, he's the most qualified. Because, you, yeah. uh, you know, they'll say that. But yeah. they're like, um, but, you know, I've known him for five years. And I haven't known any of the other candidates for five years. Because Andrew was in my, like, classroom or in my class at so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, then why did you hire Bob? Oh, because Bob worked with my friend so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And so I've known Bob. These are all white people. That's how they know each other. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. that's why they're, like, working there is because, like, they all knew each other. Yeah. So I feel like, it, like when you go and you ask the person, like, why are you hiring only white people? And mm-hmm. they give you these answers, which are like legitimate answers, right? You're like, oh, so I'm not, I'm not just like trying to figure out how this is happening at my work. Mm-hmm. This is how the world is working. Yeah. So now they're gonna have to like, not hire their friends. They're gonna have to deconstruct. All right. Of so us. they're gonna have to deconstruct mm-hmm. themselves, which mm-hmm. is like a lot. I don't know if I'm getting paid enough in four hours a week. <laughs> To like you certainly are not. You certainly are exactly. But that's what I mean, and I think, I guess what I'm specifically saying too is like if you are, like as a white person, and you notice that everybody that they're hiring is white, and they keep saying, "I just don't understand, like why we can't get you know this identity to work here," and it's like, well, one, is it a safe place to work? Because before we put this out there and hire somebody, we should probably make sure that when they get here, it's not toxic and violent. Um, and so I guess I'm one, I'm specifically talking about spaces that pretend or, um, are quote unquote trying, but like not well, um, at being inclusive. Um, and then also like holding people accountable for the identities that you hold to, you know? Um, but yeah, you're for sure going to get some, that's the hard part is you get answers that like are not blatant. And so you're like, Hmm, how, like, how do I address that? And so I think that goes back to what you were talking about. And the article about like navigating it through a policy and procedure way. Like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but in our policies and procedures, it says that we actually have to be a space that um, is inclusive. And so what I'm saying is that we're not meeting that. Mm-hmm. And so I have some ideas about how we can change that. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because I'm like, you have a job, but your job isn't to make the fucking place inclusive. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So what is like, so you've mentioned, I think, 
Is that just like the one thing that you wanted to contribute that you like? What was it that you said for talks that were environments you do? Well, I think posi- the position yes. of power, like yeah, aligning yourself. Um, and then like asking questions and holding folks accountable when you can based on your identity, right? Like please do not <laughs> do more work than you are getting paid for, especially if you're a marginalized person, right? Like especially at like a bunch of different intersections of identities um, or if it's not safe for you, right? If your life is on in danger, like d- yeah, that's not um, something that I would advocate for. But, you know, if you – look like everybody else in your office and you're noticing things like it actually is your responsibility to call that out and not be like comfortable yeah and not like well whatever someone else will do it yeah exactly you know no one else will do it nobody if you're not gonna do it no until that person comes in who's like why are there no more so-and-so yeah and then they're like oh finally someone is gonna do it but then that's exhausting. That is not, and it's not for them to do, right? Yeah. But I think also, right, it's important to fix toxic work environments, but it's also important that you're not just like hiring people to like, so for like, oh, this space is not inclusive. Let's hire folks. Like, no, you actually have to do the work first to deconstruct why, yeah. why your office is completely white in the first place or why there's no queer people working at your office um, to make sure that you're not bringing people into a space that is going to be harmful and violent. Like, you have to get to the root and then re- regroup, you know. Which is, like, a supervisor is, or someone who's leading a company, that is what you're supposed to do. Exactly. exactly. I love it. So, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thank you all so much for listening. I hope that this was informative or that you got some tips on how to handle toxic work environments. We want to know more about trauma-informed supervision. Make sure you listen to our previous podcast for this podcast episode, Trauma Drama. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram at UNLVJWC and on Twitter at UNLV Care Talk. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next month.